the true impact of Christ in a person's life is intended not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. The impact is called the awakened life. Stay tuned to this message to discover how to live the awakened life. Well, turn with me in your Bible, if you would please, to 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and down in the Word of God, down in verse 54, as you're turning there, let me say this to you. The gift I'm talking about today is a battle. Now, I hear, I'm going to make this statement. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it clearly. A battle is a blessing. One, two, three, four, five. Let me say it again. A battle is a blessing. Today, what we're going to do is look at the life of David and David's life in this moment. Remember, he's taken a giant step of faith in obedience to God. He's saved, he's, he's been spirit-filled, and he's, he's walking forward, but he's about to come to a moment in his life that you would think that nobody could stand against this dude. Look at it in verse 54, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. In this moment in David's life, you think he's at the top, victory in Jesus. And there's nothing that could ever stop him. Now, we know we're saved. And as we prayed in the prayer room this morning, that we fight from a position of victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58, because Christ. Now, look on the screen. God has given to his people gifts that just keep giving. Now, I'm going to read, read that to you here now. Look what it says. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth. Now, in this moment, you're probably thinking, wait a minute now. In chapter 16, uh, David was brought to Saul and played. He played the harp for him. But, but you say, well, is it chronologically in order? I, 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 some of us believe that maybe it's not in this moment. But here's what I really understand is this. In the eyes of Saul, he, listen to me, David had no value when he was just playing it's just like people that we meet. I'm sure that the people that you meet, you just they're, they're your server at the table, but they have no value beyond that. Or, or they're, they're just someone that you run into. And, and, and we're going to see in Saul's life that, that he, he just really in his life manipulated people. He, he just used people. And he never saw any value in David to this moment. Now listen to this. And, and Abner said, as your soul lives, <clears throat> O king, I don't know. Not only did Saul not know who David was, neither did Abner. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Here comes this, this young guy, and he's, he's got a sword in one hand. And, and then I try, I guess Goliath must have had to have hair because as big as he was, and can you see him with the hair of his head? I know it's kind of crude. He's standing there. Alice, don't look at me that way. He says he's kind of crude in that moment. He's standing there in front of the king. And there he stands, a young guy, the height of his career, some would say, and Saul was on the other side. Now think about this. There's a scripture to write down, Proverbs 18 and 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. David's gift that God had given him brought him before this king. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? Now watch in this moment. And David answered now, what would you have said if you had been there and you had the, you had the head of Goliath in your hand and his sword on the other side and said, who are you? I know what us Baptists would have said. Hey, I, I just killed this man. Who, who, you think, who do you think I am? We baptized 200 last year. 
We, we did missions all around the world. Look at us. This is who we are. But David said this, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. In that moment, David is humbled. He's humbled that God had worked in him. Now listen to what the Bible says, Proverbs 29 and 23. Once pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. I want to ask you, how are you doing in your battles? David will write much as we proceed further in our time together from this point forward in our studies in the life of David. I'm going to be quoting a lot of Psalms through the, through the weeks together because David will be writing during all these times. And, and one of the Psalms that he writes after this major section is Psalm 59. As you see it on the screen, here, here's how it ends. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Two, two statements kind of, uh, if you'll back up to that last one for just a moment, brother. Uh, listen to this, uh, two statements. Number one is this, in the morning. Now go to the next verse. Now notice what it says in the very next verse. Oh, my strength, I will sing praise to you. For you, oh God, you're my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Now watch this. There was a morning and there was love. But back in verse 17, there was also distress. You see, listen to me. You can't have a morning unless you've gone through a night. You can't have joy unless you've really been through some sorrow that helps you to understand true joy. And so David is going through some things in his life, and he's actually saying to us to summarize it in the Hebrew, my battles are blessings. My battles are blessings. So, so let me ask you this question today. Do you value God's gifts to you? Do you in your life right now, where you are, when you think about this, Isaiah 54 and 17 says this, no weapon formed against you. Now watch this, formed against you will ever prosper. So I'm going to ask you, where you are right now, how valuable is it to you? Are you getting by or are you running through? Are you surviving or are you thriving? I find in the body of Christ today, as the pastor that followed Charles Stanley up at First Baptist Atlanta said this past week to his congregation, he said, COVID, COVID came and destroyed many people's hearts for God. He said that many people today, when you talk to them, all they ever say is, I'm tired, I'm hurting, I'm worn out, I'm busy. They recant, or restate a few things, but seldom today we talk about the joy of God. David, in this moment before the king, could have taken that high road and, and said, man, look what I just did. But he says, Lord, but said, king, I am your servant. Do you see him bowing down, holding the head of the giant that Saul, and now watch this, that Saul, the king, ran from? Battles are blessings. But I want to tell you this, that many of us may be struggling today that it is the battle that is dictating your joy or your sorrow. That's not what the Bible says. If the battles determine whether you're happy or not, if, if, in other words, if what's going on in the battle determines whether you're joy or not, in other words, if I feel good, I'm happy. If I don't feel good, I'm not happy. If, if I have money, I'm happy. If I don't have money, I'm not happy. If I'm pleasing somebody, I'm happy. If I'm not pleasing somebody, I'm not happy. That is a bondage and a battle to be in. But that wasn't David. Now, think about this. Here's another question. How do you effectively, how do you effectively in your life use his gifts to advance the kingdom of God? Today, what I'm going to do is look at David's life. We see Saul's life as well. And at the end, really quickly, I'm going to come back and I'm going to kind of ask you are, you, are you more like David or more like Saul? Because watch this. David is fighting in the will of God and Saul is fighting out of the will of God. 
You see, when battles are a blessing, here's the inside track, Bruce, you are in the will of God. But when you're, when you're battling out of the will of God, then there's a brokenness and there's, there's a bitterness that comes. And it's just you never get anywhere because you're just battling out of the will of God. And I want to celebrate that because many of you are in the will of God and you will have victory in him if you'll just take the gift of the battle and learn what God has for you and then magnify it on the world stage. And so today, there's just three things about David's life. If you look in chapter 18, verse 1, now watch this. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, now watch this, as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Now watch this. David, God's made a position for him. He's going before the king. Now, now I want you to write this down. It's, it's pretty simple. God's gift to David positioned him to gain insight into the struggles of leadership. David was now going into a position, Brother Danny, that for the next 10 years of his life, he would hurt. Did you hear what I just said? He was going to go in a position that for the next 10 years of his life, he would be in a hurt. You see, some things that God has to do hurts. Uh, if, you, if you read the book that I wrote about this, I quoted from Chuck Swindoll, who said this, that God's hand was on David, but for God to use him, he had to break him. He had to hone in him. He had to, he had to sharpen him, which included this. Now, you, I mean, you may not want to talk about it, but he had to crush him. So I'm going to ask you this. When you see a battle that's crushing you, do you see that as a blessing or a hindrance? Acts 14 and 32, we'll enter the kingdom through many tribulations. 2 Timothy 1 and 12, God says that we'll get there, that, that, God, that anybody who lives to Christ, God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So, so David is going to do this. He's going to move forward. Tim Delina puts it like this. He said, every present victory is your preparation for your next battle. And so today, you may have come out of a battle, as our, our speaker said this weekend, or you may be going in, or you may be in the middle of one, but, but what kind of, are you battling in the will of God, or are you battling out of the will of God? You see, I say, you say how in the world did David go before this demented guy and, and, and it, it help him to gain insight? Look on the screen. Now, notice this. David was learning from this imploding leader. Now, here it is. Here it is. Lean in. How not to live his life. Now, don't, don't raise your hand or point at somebody, but the truth is you could actually say you've been around some people that taught you how not to live life. I mean, you went to school with them or you're going to school with them now. There's just people that like, man, I don't want to do that. You see the, uh, Facebook Live or whatever. You see these videos of people like, just, just do some of the, I hate to use the word stupid in the house, but some of the stupidest thing. Who would get up under a limb, limb on a tree and start sawing the limb and you're right up under it? Some silly things that we do in our lives. And so what David is doing, David is before this leader who's a demented leader who's, who's imploding. The scripture says this in verse 3 of chapter 18. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan knew that David would be the next king of Israel. By the way... Listen to me. David could have said to Saul when he stood there with, with Goliath's head in his hand, he could have said to him, hey, I'm going to, be, I'm going to be your successor. But he didn't say that. He was in humility. Can I say to the young ones in the room today that when God positions you with other people, the very first thing you should learn to do is listen. To learn to listen and, and not always have an opinion. Just listen. Those of us that are, are a little bit more in age, uh, uh, we oftentimes we, we, we are uh, dis, disenfranchised with life. But I want to tell you, never, never lose the art of listening. 
Never lose the art of looking at someone else's life to learn from them. It's not always the good things that you see them, but it's the bad things that reminds me, don't do that. I see preachers today in their 50s and 60s, the Andy Stanleys of our world, who've just taken a left-handed turn. And I'm just praying and pleading with God that I'd be faithful to the end, that I would not, I would not have the wrong advice in my life that I would be passionate about God, that I run across the victory line. And David is here in this moment, and listen to me, there was one who said, you'll be king, and verse 5 says, and David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. There's a key thing, he's learning from him. So that Saul set him over the men of war. In other words, he's up at the top brass in this moment, and this was good in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. In other words, victory came back to God's people. Are people better because of your battles or worse? The scripture says in, in verse 6, and they were coming home, and, and when David returned, he'd returned from striking down the Philistine. I think here that, that's just thrown in from the text to remind what he'd done. I think this was a particular battle he'd come back from. And the women came out of the cities of Israel. This is how they used to do it. They were singing and they were dancing. Must have been the 11 o'clock service. And they, to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. Can you see them? Uh, Joe, they're coming back. They're, they're, uh, their swords are, are wet from the battle, and they're coming back. And they've won the victory, and the women began to sing to one another. And they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. What did you just hear right then, my friend? What did you just hear in that moment? Did you hear individuality or corporate praise for God? You see, we here as a church, we do life together. We celebrate together as the body of Christ. That's why we're talking this morning. Mike was sick last week, first time in years, was not in church last Sunday morning. He said, I watched it online, a 60-inch television. He said, it was good. I can kind of see how people might want to stay at home and watch. And Jimmy Adams chimed in. He said, yeah, but you can't do community at home. And Mike said, yeah, the singing wasn't the same, and the preaching just wasn't exactly the same. And see, we do life together here, and listen to me. That's why when 48 children are now in preschool and children, we celebrate, we celebrate that, that Lisa and the team had 48 people. We celebrate. We celebrate in collegiate ministry last Wednesday night when we were all on our knees before the Lord in, in our prayer time and in chairs and for almost 30 minutes in our collegiate ministry pleading with God. We celebrate the victories that we have together because we are in it together. But here's what happens is this. When individuality comes into a person's life, we begin to battle out of the will of God instead of in the will of God. When you find yourself having to go to church and feeling guilty or not about being part of the corporate body and what's going on, you can just say in that moment that a Saul-like spirit has come in. You say, what do you mean? Saul was very angry in verse 8 and saying it displeased him. He said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed thousands. I'd be happy to kill a thousand, wouldn't you? Now watch what it says here. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed him from David from that day on. Here's a verse of Scripture that might be important to you, James 3 and 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. In Proverbs 27 and 4, wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Think about this. Here Saul was exploiting everybody, manipulating, and would not give up his kingdom no matter what anybody else said. 
Corey Tim Boone said it best like this. You better hold everything that you have in your hand loosely because if not, God will pry it from your hand and it will hurt. This church is not my church. I love this church with every part of the being inside of me. Uh, if I make it another month here and you don't wake up and figure out who I really am, I'll be here nine years. I love this church. It's the greatest journey I've ever had in my life. And I hope that God leads me here and lets me serve him and his power is here. But I want to tell you, this is not my church. And if tomorrow he says to me, you're done, I'm done. Because I want to tell you this in my life, with my heart, I want to live in joy. It is his, Brother Henry. It is not mine. It is not mine. Your life is not your own. And when Paul said, God, you control me, it is no longer I. I don't want to be a Saul. I want you to be a David in your life. I want you to be a person in your life that you'll serve at the pleasure of the Lord. What should have happened? F.B. Meyer, that, that, that great theologian of a previous generation, understood it. When he wrote a hundred years ago, he said that this, in that first hour when jealousy awoke in Saul's heart, if he would have only have put, put out the spark, happy he would have been if he would trodden the hell that was beneath the, the, and feel the extinguishing in the seas of prayer. I want to say this to you. If you would have only put out the spark that said this, it's okay not to serve the Lord because somebody else is not. If you would have only put out the spark online that said it's, it's, it's okay to be at home. It's not okay to be at home and miss the house of the Lord. It is not going to hear the preacher. It is God's command upon us. Jesus went to the cross so we would come on the first day of the week. It is a priority and a joy to do. It's a joy to be in the house on Wednesday night, to labor with the people of God. It's a joy to be in his service. It's a joy to reach a lost and dying. It's a, it's a joy to fight for the next generation. But we get in jealousy. So that's not jealousy. Friend, when everything exists for you, then there's a jealousy because you want your kingdom instead of God's kingdom. You see, there's just something inside of you that when God touches you and changes your heart. And I'm praying and I'm believing today in this room that some of you were learning from you how not to live. But God doesn't want that for you. You see, I'm thankful to be around a group of people that have a David-like heart, but Saul didn't have that, that kind of heart. Look in verse 10. The, the next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the harp. As he did this day by day, Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Now, now think about this for a moment. How many times would you have stayed with an imploding leader? The scripture says, but David evaded him twice. Now, honey, I'm out of there the first time. But not David because God had placed them there. Thanks be unto God for a, a wife who will stay 65 years with the same man. Thanks be unto God for a mom who will not let her kids go the wrong way if she has to even fight them. Thanks be unto God for, for your life. David, listen to me, David was leading in the right way. But think about with me how jealousy was destroying Saul. I want to ask you this, do you deal with jealousy? Maybe you're a dad who's jealous of your children. Because it seems that, the, that, that your wife loves them more than you. Maybe you are a wife who's jealous of your husband because of circumstances in your life. Maybe today you're just jealous of ministry and relationships. You're jealous of what other people have. Friend, listen, listen to me. There's nothing that will destroy you any quicker than a suspicious, ill-natured, and a vicious nature of jealousy. 
This was Saul, and this would be the last of his life. Second thing, though, that David was discovering in the midst of all this, it's a big deal. Look at this. David was discovering that God works in all things to bless his chosen people, and I would say this in spite of where he was. The Scripture says, look in the text, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. Now watch this, moved him out, moved him out, Michael, moved him out from a higher position, put him out there. And here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get him farther away with only a thousand men. And he thought in his mind, the Philistines will take him out. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings. Hallelujah. For the Lord was with him. Until my mom got, excuse me, until my dad got saved. My mom went through hell, but the Lord was with her. And the Lord be with you and while you're going through in your home, sir and ma'am. The Lord be with you. May he bless you. But you've got to allow him to take you and say this, a battle is a blessing. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fear, all, all of him, verse 16. But all Israel and Judah loved him. You see, despite what the enemy would do, God will open up, watch this, he'll make room for you. So maybe you're going through something of slander right now. Maybe in your position it seems to be rough. Let me ask you this question. Are you battling the will of God? If so, don't wave the white flag of surrender. Don't wave the white flag of surrender to the enemy. Just keep going on. Truth will stand. God will stand. The righteous will win in the end. And the justice will prevail. You will make it through and you will shout the victory. If David did it, you can do it. Because we serve the same God. It gets worse for David. Da David in this moment is a humble man, and Saul thinks this, I'll, I'll, I'll give him off to my, my own daughter, and that way I can have him closer, and I'll, I'll turn against him, and, and I'll destroy him. And so he starts to bring David. David's humbled. He said, how could I be the son-in-law of the king? And then he pulls it away from him. And then again, he says that because he had a younger daughter that, that actually really loved David, and Michael, Michael was her name. And, and the scripture says that Saul said, man, I, here's an opportunity. And so so he, he says, hey, David, if you will, you kill 100 Philistines, and that, that'll be your dowry. But David takes his mighty men with him, and they kill 200. And they come back, and David is now in this family. I, wanna, I want you to hear this. Battles are blessings. The nation of Israel never knew the backstory. All they saw was that God was blessing, and it kind of seemed like Saul was doing this. Can I tell you this? You come to church on Sunday with a smile on your face. God knows the hell that you live with during the week. God knows what you're going through. God loves you. God, God is going to do something in your life amazing. Just keep coming, keep believing, and keep saying, God, my battle is a blessing. The second thing I see about David is this in this moment. God's gift to David positioned him to grow in his faith. David was going to have to grow in his faith in chapter 19 as it begins. If you look there in chapter 19, as it begins, Saul begins to recruit Jonathan, the bosom buddy of David. He actually tries to get his own son to, to come in with him. Look in verse 4. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king, now watch this, let not the king sin against his servant David, because he's not sinned against you. And because his deeds have been brought good to you. Now watch this. The son of the king is standing up to the king for the man of God. For he took his life in his hand and struck down the Philistine. Now watch. Saul was using everybody for his own benefits, exploiting. But David was surrendering himself for the sake of others. 
serving, giving himself for the sake of others, like our kitchen ministry here, like so many ministers in this church. And watch this, and he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. Saul, you were blessed by him. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without a cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not perish. I hear the word, Proverbs 18, 16, one more time. A man's gift makes room for him. One would think that Saul would have turned, but he did not turn. Very shortly after that, you see in the word of God, down in verse number eight, and there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. God didn't cause the spirit, but he allowed the enemy to come in. In other words, God's, see, the devil is even God's devil. And so if you're fighting in the will of God, he's for you. You're fighting out of the will of God. He'll just pull away and let you go through all that you want to go through and the trials that you want to. He'll let you make the decision that you want to make. He'll let you go through apathy because even in the midst of that, God's gift to you is that he grows you in his chastening, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And so there David is, and the Scripture says as David was playing the harp, and verse 10, and Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Now hang with me now. David, who had the, there in his hand the, the very head of Goliath, and humbled himself and he positioned him there, and now David is on the run. David will go home, I think, to tell his wife goodbye. She will tell him, you better get out of the house tonight because my dad is going to kill you. And so he gets away, and, and she cares enough about him that she takes, she, takes, uh, uh, she takes pillows and goat's hair. She makes it look like his body covers it up, and Saul sends troops to, to come and have him killed. And she says, well, he's sick. And so they wait till the next morning, and then they come in the morning and find, and then she lies. And she said, well, he made me do this. And then we see Saul, we see Saul from that moment on. For the next 10 years, pursuing David. Now, here's a question, if you've been with me. Was David running from something, or was he running to something? Let's sink it in now. Was he running from something, or running to something? See, if you're out of the will of God, you're running from something. But if you're running, watch this, in the will of God, you're running to something. David would go through hell, and the battles would be hard, but every one of them were growing David. Remember Psalm, what we said, Psalm 59 and 17, but I will sing of your strength. You say, Pastor, I, I just, I'm just not following you here. Well, well, go with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I, I want to end this way. It's not in our notes, but I want to I end, end this way. If you look on the screen really quickly as you turn out, if you can multitask, I don't know if you can or not. God's gift to David, now watch this thirdly. God's gift to David is also a gift to each of us. You, you say, oh, what do you mean? We're going to see it right here. Philippians chapter 4 if in your Bible. You, you got your Bible, don't you? You, got your, you have a Bible? If you don't, please see me after online. We'll give you a Bible. Philippians chapter 4, it says this in verse number 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's what I'd say to you if you've got a Saul in your life. If you've got a battle in your life, pray about everything. 
Now watch this. Pray about everything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by your prayer, that's that general word that's taken for God. Supplication, what simply means this, that you really are digging in with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Now watch this. When you pray in the midst of your battle, here's God's response to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You see, if you pray about everything as you are, now watch this, not as you shut down. If the battles are determining your joy, listen to me, you'll shut down. But if, if you are running toward God's will and you're in God's will, you'll just be praying as you're going. Someone said to me th this morning, uh, how are you? I'm finally said, I, I know you're tired. I, I'm too blessed to be tired. I, I'm physically tired, but I'm not spiritually tired because I, I, I get to do all of this. Anybody else? Now watch, you say, well, how do you get there? Finally, brothers, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So now watch this, we pray. But also this, we have the right perspective. You see, your glass is half full, not half empty. You see, if, you, if I can't learn, learn from you what's good, I'll learn from you what's bad. I'll learn what not to do, and I'll find somebody else who's what, find something that is good. David found the Lord was good. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. And so I think that some of us today, we, we just hang out with people of whatever they think is negative, whatever they think is ugly, whatever they think is for themselves. They're like, they're like a saw. You can learn from somebody what not to do, but I don't follow their theology or the ideology of their life. And David was saying here to say, excuse me, uh, Paul was saying to the church under the anointing of God, pray, have the right perspective. He'll say that you've learned in whatever state he is to be content. So when Saul was in a cave by himself, uh, excuse me, when David was in the cave by himself, he would become content because God was in the cave. When he was down in Gedi, he was content. When he had the opportunity to kill, so he has the opportunity. He catches him with his pants down, Literally. And he could have killed him, but his perspective was this. I've learned in whatever state I am in. But then who, who, who is not quoted Philippians 4 and 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now watch when you pray about everything and have the right perspective, the power comes. Thank you for joining us for the Awaken Life series. For more information about this series or to receive the companion book, you can reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com. May God richly bless you as you live the awakened life.